Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Reliance Podcast. Join us Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, 9.30 or 11. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. We're going we're gonna to get into the Word today. Man, uh, in the services this morning, uh, this morning uh, in 8 o'clock and the 9.30, as we were singing songs, uh, just this thing kept coming on my heart, and it was, man, uh, don't lose hope and don't lose faith. It was just kind of this reoccurring theme don't lose heart, don't, don't lose faith. And so the Lord gave me a word, 1 Corinthians 2.9. I don't know if this is for somebody. It's really weird how I'm kicking today off with this, but just felt like I needed to share this first. If you're in there, in, in, in here, and you feel like hope has been, what faith has been struggling, hope has been struggling, here's what 1 Corinthians 2.9 says. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I just want to encourage you today um, just to love the Lord. If you don't know where you're at right now and your heart's just been struggling in, in some places, um, man, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what Christ has prepared for you, what Christ has prepared for you who love him. So yeah, Jesus, we just pray, would you be with this day today, Lord, as we talk about faith and obedience. God, we, we, we want to be men and women just on track with what you're on track with. And so come, Lord, and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been talking about faith quite a bit. Um, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you feel like you, you've, you've tried to get on to other things, but the Lord just keeps bringing you back to the same thing over and over. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, okay, Lord, I'm ready for something new. He's like, no, you got to learn something old. <laughs> and I'm going to teach you new things in the old. And so I, I, I've been in the study where I've been trying to, trying to go on to new, new things. And the Lord, every time I open scripture, it's something on faith, 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 faith. And it's been like this for a couple of months now. And so I just... Uh, I feel like there's still some work that we need to do here in, in faith. I think we're in a season of seeing our faith increase as a body of believers and as individuals. Um, scripture says in Romans 12, 3, um, there is a measure of faith that we're all given. And so every single person in this room, you've got a measure of faith that's been given to you. Not because you earned it or deserved You've got a measure of faith that was given to you. And so what I want to see is that all of us are living up to that measure of faith that the Lord has given to us. Amen? Can we all agree on that? Okay. And so as we go forward, I want to, I want to talk about what that looks like. Now, real quickly, um, uh, I want to go back to something we said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we said, um, when we were talking about faith, Jesus was in the boat, Luke 8. He's calming the storm. And remember, the, the disciples are going crazy. He's calming the storm. And then when he's calming the storm, he asks them a question. He says, or maybe it was a statement, but he says, where is your, what? Faith. He asked this challenging question. So he's going, where is your faith? And so we did a little work on that. Later on here in Luke 22, Jesus is going to encounter Simon Peter. He's going to come up to Simon Peter in Luke 22, 31. And he's going to say these words, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But here's what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you that your, what, faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus is coming to Peter to let him know something. Listen, Satan doesn't want you to stand in faith. When things are about to get crazy and messy, something's going to happen to you, Peter. Satan's going to come, and he's going to try to steal your faith. He's going to try to take your hope. But here's what Jesus says. He wants to sift you like wheat. Now what we know is that Peter's going to deny Jesus three times. 
when Jesus gets arrested and then eventually when Jesus gets crucified, Peter's going to be the one denying him and, and, and trying to really dis, disassociate himself because of fear. And so Jesus is going, listen, he's going to try to sift you and get you to get rid of your faith, but I have prayed. How many of you guys know that Jesus gets his prayers answered? I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And then he says those words, and when you've turned again, because he's telling Peter, you will drop the ball. You will deny me three times, but that faith that's inside of you will rise back up again. I will reset your heart. I will reinvigorate your heart. Peter's going to see the risen Jesus get filled with the Holy Spirit and be the baddest, boldest dude on the planet for a while, right? And so Peter's going to get filled again. He says, so when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, when you get that faith back, Peter, you better spill it out into those around you. Amen? And so there's this word. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. This is something that you'll see in Scripture. Now, again, the disciples are going to ask Jesus something as well. They're going to pray to Jesus. They're going to say, Jesus, increase our faith. And so there's something about faith that we need to take a deeper dive into. And so today I want to look at how is faith revealed? How do we reveal faith? Everybody say obedience. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. You will not find in Scripture faithful men and women that did not have obedience tagged to their name. So if it says they walked in faith, you'll find how it was revealed that they walked in faith. It'll say they obeyed the Lord. Every place in scripture that you read about faith, you'll read about obedience. And every place that you read about obedience, you'll read about faith. Because faith and obedience go hand in hand. Now, let me just ask, there's two things I really want to get down today. But these two things are a struggle for me. How many of you guys struggle with obedience? Okay, come, come on. Everybody in some way, shape, or form, obedience is difficult. Now there's a second part that I want to talk about today as well, and that is this word that we read about in Scripture that says, we walk by faith and not by sight. How many of you guys struggle in faith going, I have to walk by faith without seeing it? How many want to see it? Okay, even more of you out there, right? These are two things that we tag to faith. One, I've got to walk by faith, not by sight, and I've got to walk in obedience. Two ways that are really, really difficult to, to have in our life, obedience and walking when we don't always get to see it. And so I want to do a little heart work on why I think this is a struggle, but how the Lord, I think, is moving in this. Um, first and foremost, let me say this. You can know the word. We could read the word all day long, but if you don't have faith in the word, it doesn't matter. If you don't have obedience to the world, it doesn't matter. It, it, we can sing the songs, Jesus, you've always been, always will be, you are right now. We can sing that song all day long, but if we don't have faith in that and we don't have obedience in that, it doesn't matter. We can pray together and recite our little prayers together, but if we don't have faith that the God that we're praying to can answer those prayers, it doesn't matter. You see, Hebrews has a word for this in 11.6, and we read Hebrews 11.6 a couple of weeks ago, and this is what he says, but without faith, but without faith, you can, you can know the songs, but without faith, you, you, you can read the word, but without faith, you can recite the prayers, but without faith, it is impossible to please God, 
It's impossible to please God. For whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So there's something that's jumped out at me uh, when I was kind of reading through that and then I, I went to Acts. And in Acts chapter 17 verse 28, Paul is in this square and he's preaching the gospel to a bunch of people that are worshiping idols. And they've got all these idols set up and one idol particular, because they're idol worshipers, they, I want to make sure that they don't, they don't miss any. He's got an idol that says, these people have an idol that says, to the unknown God. And so Paul is going, he's looking around at all of their idols, and he finds the one that says, to the unknown God. And it's like the Lord downloads, and he goes, hey, men and women in the square, you worship all these idols. Let me tell you about this God that you have that's called the unknown God. He's actually not just a God, he's the God, he's the God overall. And so Paul begins to preach this message about this God that they don't know, but is the God Yahweh and the Lord Jesus. And here's what he says when he says this in Acts 17, 28. In him, in God, we live in Christ. We live and we move and we find our being. We live in him. We move in him. We find our being in him. I want to say this to you today, church, according to what Paul's saying here in Acts 17, 28. We will only live in Christ and move in Christ and have our being in Christ to the degree that we have our faith in Christ. So you got a little bit of faith, then you're going to move a little bit in Jesus. You got a little bit of faith, then you're going to live a little bit in Jesus. You got big faith, then you're going to have big faith moving in Jesus. Amen? Faith in how we live our life is rooted in how we see Jesus. Now listen, this is, this is big. It's so big that Paul at the end of Romans 16, after Romans is obviously a big book in, in the Bible, lots of deep stuff in there, but it's such a big deal that at the very end of Romans, Paul's going to say this word, according to the revelation and the mystery that was a secret a long time ago, then that secret is about Jesus Christ, that that's now been opened through prophetic writings. All this mystery of Jesus is now known to you and I and to the nations. And he says this, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of what? Faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's what Paul's saying. The command of the eternal God is that you would know Jesus Christ and live out your life in obedience to your faith. It's a big deal. And so this interesting relationship between faith and obedience arises all through Scripture. In fact, we know that faith becomes perfect through obedience. Um, if you go to the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, if you've never read Hebrews 11, please go do yourself a favor and read Hebrews 11. And go through that Hall of Faith and what you'll see is this, the more faith that we have in Him, the more obedience we manifest in Him. And here's what you'll see, God measured Abraham's faith and Noah's faith and Gideon's faith and Joshua's faith and Abraham, uh, all the men and women that are listed in the Hall of Faith, He measured all of their faith by their obedience and you'll see it over and over faith they had faith and they obeyed they had faith and they obeyed and here's why this is so key and you'll see it in scripture by faith it says in Hebrews 11 8 Abraham when he was called out to go into a place which he would should should receive 
for an inheritance, when he was called out to go to a place that he was, should receive when he, when he was going to his inheritance, it says the word obeyed. Obeyed and he went out not knowing where he was going to go. So here's Abraham. God's going to come to him and he's going to speak to Abraham and he's going to say, Abraham, I want you to go out to a place. And Abraham is going, well, where do you want me to go? He goes, I just want you to go. Well, you want me to go north, south, east, or west? He goes, I just want you to go. When you set out, Abraham, I'll get you to the place that you need to go. Now, here's what it says. Abraham didn't argue with the Lord. He didn't say Abraham thought, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is you. If you're an engineer type of person out there, and this, you got OCD, and you're like, this would totally mess up my, my deal, right? And you're like, I've got to have a map, and I've got to draw it out. If that's you, this is going to drive you crazy, but that's not what Abraham said. He didn't say, God, you got to give me the map first. It says that he obeyed, and he went out not knowing. Anybody struggle with not knowing? Not knowing where he was going. And because of that faith that welled up inside of him and that obedience to walk it out, Abraham is called the father of faith. So here's Abraham, and he's called the father of faith. Now, in this room, my guess is that faith comes easy to some, and faith comes very difficult to others. Could be some of the ways you're wired, could just be how you process in your mind, but I know that faith comes easy to some and difficult to others. I want to say this, and I'm going to do a little work on it, so I don't think anyone is born with tremendous faith. Now, Scripture says that we're given faith, I'm talking about that, I don't know that we're born with tremendous faith. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I think in many ways our faith is developed over time as we see God move more and more faithfully in one situation to another. And so God gives us a measure of faith. It's what he says in scripture. All of us have that measure of faith. But as we see God move faithfully time and time and time again, this is what the disciples prayed for. Increase our faith. Our faith grows as we see the Lord move in life. Amen? So God gives us the measure of faith, but our faith grows. And so what happened for Abraham was that over time, what he saw was he learned to trust God because when he took a step out of faith, in faith, God got him to where he needed to get to. And so the next time it became easier, and the next time it became easier, so much so that Abraham's first step of faith to leave his home and his family not knowing where he was to go next is what led him to his second step of faith which would be to take his son and put him on an altar, willing to come down with a knife. Why? Because Abraham had to do the first step of faith first before he could ever do another step of faith. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Some of you in this room need to know you got to take your first step of faith first before you'll ever take a step of faith somewhere else. Your first step of faith might just say, be, be saying, I'm going to trust you, Jesus, with my every day. Your first step of faith may just simply be you going, I'm going to set aside an hour a day to pray with you, Jesus. Uh, your first step of faith may be just being able to say, Lord, I want you to know that everything that I have, you own it. Uh, I don't know what your first step of faith is, but you'll never go to your second step of faith if you don't start with your first step of faith. If Abraham would not have obeyed the Lord to go out to a land that he did not know, nor to know where he was going, he would have never taken his son up to an altar to be willing to come down and sacrifice him for the Lord. But Abraham knew that God was trustworthy. Amen? So because of that, Abraham grew not only in faith, but his faith was shown through his obedience. Now, it wasn't just Abraham. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus comes and he saves mankind. 
and he saves mankind because he was obedient to the will of his father. Hebrews 5.8 says, although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. This is, this is pivotal, right? Jesus learned obedience. He was perfect in every way. Jesus was without sin. But through every trial and through every suffering and through every scorn, because of his obedience, Jesus, in that obedience, has put that faith in you and I. No matter what comes our way, no matter what's thrown our direction, we can make it through because Jesus made it through. Amen? And over and over and over, even to the point of death, Philippians 2.8 says, Jesus became obedient even to the point of death. What's this saying? What it's saying is obedience is one of the key factors in our relationship between God and man. So, so if obedience is a key factor, then the other one would be a key factor as well, and that's disobedience. If faith is a key factor, then the other one would be just as key, which is unbelief. So we've been doing Hebrews, so here we go. Hebrews 3.12 tells us another side of the story, or another side of the coin. He says this, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, let me tell you why that's important. He's not speaking to people that don't know God. He's saying to people that know the living God, that have, a, have a, an ability to fall away from him. He's going, be careful because the enemy's coming after you to get you an unbelieving heart so that you'll walk away or fall away from the Lord. Be careful because the enemy wants to get you in a place where God didn't or he didn't come through or whatever it is. And all of a sudden your heart stops believing him and then you have a tendency to fall away from the living God. And he says the word, an unbelieving heart. He goes on and he says in verse 13, but exhort. That means to encourage. To exhort is to encourage. But encourage one another every day. Somebody say every day. Okay. Encourage one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Instead of allowing the enemy to get us an unbelieving heart, according to the author of Hebrews 3.12, he's going, every day we should be riding each other's grill, encouraging each other in the faith. How you doing in faith, Jace? How you doing in faith, Drew? Tell me about your faith. Oh, not doing so well? Well, let's talk about it. I'm just kidding. You're a faithful guy. Right? So all of a sudden what we're doing is we're encouraging one another in faith. And then somebody eventually is going to tell you, I'm really struggling in my faith. Well, let's pray about it right now. As long as it's called today, we're not going to wait till tomorrow. We're going to call it today. Let's pray today. So what we're doing is we're encouraging one another in faith. Why? Because you and I know in just one little moment it can all slip away. How do I know that? Because he's going to tell us this in the next thing. He says in this, these words, as it's said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then if you're out there today and you're going, what's the rebellion? He's talking about when the Israelites left Egypt to go and take the promised land. And instead of getting the promised land because of the rebellion, they wandered for 40 years. Here's what he says. For who were those who heard and rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses? And with whom was God provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were, everybody say disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter his rest because of unbelief. I mean, just take, when I read this, I'm like, ah, you, you know the story. That they're leaving. They're watching God part season, pillar of cloud and fire and mountain erupting and 
smoke and whatever. They see God's presence all around them. They're fearful of it. They know God exists. They know God is real. But when things don't go their way, their faith starts to wander. And when their faith starts to wander, what's always tethered to faith? Obedience. When their faith starts to wander, their obedience starts to wander and they stop obeying the Lord. And because of that, they miss out on his promises. So don't you and I in here today believe for one second that we're beyond that. Genuine faith is demonstrated by obedient action. The Bible says that faith without works or faith that's not accompanied by action is what? It's dead. So here, action or, or, or working it out means obedience to God's work. Faith can be measured through obedience. Obedience is the visible expression of an invisible faith. If you tell me today, or I tell you today, I've got faith, you got faith, you say, I've got faith, I can't see your faith apart from your obedience. But when I see your obedience, I know you got faith. And when I see your obedience, and you see my obedience, and we see each other's faith, there's an encouragement to one another. Amen? Okay, so... So here we go. What we know then is this, that through the disobedience of one man, Adam, this is what scripture says, through the disobedience of one man, Adam, there was enmity and brokenness. What you will find is the fundamental thing that broke relationship between mankind and God. The fundamental thing was disobedience. They were told to not eat of the tree and they ate of the tree. Disobedience entered in. So through one man's disobedience, Adam's disobedience, we get enmity between God. We get distance between God. We get separation between God. But scripture said, because of one man's obedience, the man Christ, Jesus, because of his obedience, now he brings us in to right relationship with God. Now you and I exercise our faith in that right relationship with God through our obedience. Church, listen. All of the ancestors that we have in faith, you read about them in scripture, all of them exercise their faith through obedience. So why is that important? Because when I asked you earlier how many guys struggle with obedience, can we just see those hands one more time? Okay. <laughs> Not alone. Amen. But then there's the second part that's a struggle. Okay, Lord, all right, I need to be obedient. Obedient to what? He goes, obedient to the things that you cannot see. There's a testing of our faith to see if it's genuine, and scripture says even when we can't see what God's doing. Scripture's pretty clear, 1 Peter 1, 7. There's a test in our lives to see if our faith is genuine. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials and various kinds of things, for you know that the, everybody say testing, testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness, when it has its full effect, makes you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The Lord is concerned with your heart that it's genuine. You, you and I aren't hiding anything from him. We know that. There's not a secret compartment where I'm going, oh, if the Lord just knew it was behind that one. He knows. He does. So he's making sure that you know that he knows so that you know that your heart needs to be genuine in that. Amen? 
So there's a testing of our heart to make sure that it's genuine. Now, this is a big deal too, because that heart needs to be genuine, and he says this in Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 2, God led you all the way into the desert for 40 years. I want, this is a word for somebody. He led you into your wilderness to humble you, to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He didn't do it because he doesn't like you. He did it because he loves you. He would much rather have you in a desert doing a heart work to see if there's genuineness there than for you to be deceived and eventually walk away because of unbelief and let you live in a paradise. Amen? He would much rather have your heart in the wilderness where you're like, ah, God, this is it. You want to see it? Look at it. Right? Versus you going, nothing, everything's good, everything's fine, everything's clothed just right, you know, and I'm just living my life. He would rather, so he's taking you into that place to show you what's in your heart. Why? Because he cares deeply that your faith and obedience line up with him. So here's what Hebrews 11.1 1 says about the definition of faith. One more time. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. So scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. Scripture says blessed are those who believe and don't see. Scripture says although we have not seen him, we believe in him. Now let me say this. Just as God tested Abraham's faith, he tests our faith to know what's going on in our hearts. It said specifically in Hebrews 11:8 that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Some people go, well, that's blind faith. Abraham had to walk in blind faith. I disagree. Some people go, well, sometimes I guess I just got to take a step in blind faith. Let me just tell you, when you're in Jesus Christ, it's never blind faith because he set your days in order before you were even created. So although you may not see it, he sees it. So to say I'm walking in blind faith is not true. I may not see it, but trust me, church, he sees it. So before we say I'm stepping out in blind faith, I'm not stepping out in blind faith. I'm stepping out in faith of the God who sees it all. Amen? So I want to encourage you today. If that scares you of going, well, I guess I just got to step out in blind faith. No, you're not. He sees it all. He knows exactly what's going to go on in your life. And he knows he's going to get your heart. So what about when I don't get to see it then? Well, you got Noah. Good, good old Noah, praise the Lord. Hebrews 11:7. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear. So here's what happened. God comes to Noah, says, Noah, I find you faithful. I want you to walk in obedience. I'm going to flood the earth. Noah goes, I have no idea what that means. He doesn't know what a flood is. He's never experienced the whole world flooding. He's got no concept of what a flood is in a biblical proportion. But he had a holy fear of God. And he had faith in God, and his faith in God always leads to what in God? Obedience in God. And so he's like, all right, you want to build some floating round object? I'm in. 120 years in holy fear, build an ark. And not only does he save his family, but it says by his faith, he condemned the world. Remember how broken it was, and became the heir of righteousness that is in keeping with his faith. Because Noah was faithful and obedient, you and I get life today. 
Because Noah was faithful, if he was like, no, I'm not going to do it, the whole world is wiped out. We're not breathing today. But because Noah was faithful, God kept his promise to his people. Amen? It's a big deal. And yet it says, things not yet seen. Caleb Joshua. You guys know the stories of the 12 spies? Numbers 13. Moses gets the word of the Lord going to the promised land, select people from all the tribes. He selects the 12 leaders from the tribes of Israel, Numbers chapter 13. Look what it says. When Moses sent them in to explore Canaan, he told them, go through, and, and, and he told them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to see the people living there. Are they weak or few or strong? What's in the land that's good or bad? Are the cities big? Are the cities not big? Is the soil rich? Is the soil poor? Do the land, does the land have trees or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So we know the gig, right? They go into the land, they spy it out. It's crazy. It's everything the Lord said it would be. Milk and honey. It's the grape clusters. Two people care, got to carry them. They're so big. It's everything that the Lord said it would be. And they come back, and 10 of the 12, they give the same report that Joshua gave. It's everything the Lord said. But 10 of them said, but we can't take it. We can't take it. Why? Because there are giants in the land. The cities are too strong and the armies are too big. And, and, and then you've got Joshua and Caleb. They're like, we absolutely can take it. It's everything the Lord said. We've got faith in that. He wasn't lying. And so he's not going to lie that we can take the land too. Amen? Now, look, look what happens though. Numbers 14. They come back. The ten stir up everybody. Stir up unbelief stir up a faith that's not a faith but it's an unbelief the faith in now the camp goes down these were men and women that were out there excited to go across the land you see how a little bit of unbelief can stir up an entire group they come back and it stir up the people and all of a sudden all the people go wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt are you kidding me do you remember Egypt would it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to each other, let's choose a leader and let's go back to slavery, Egypt. So, million men and women saw the Lord. The Red Sea, the mountain, the pillars, fire, smoke, saw it. And yet something happened. Ten guys come back and go, we just don't have faith for this. And the faith in the room just goes. Two guys. Said, we've got faith for it. Now, we'll talk about those guys in two seconds. So the Lord and Moses, they're about to have it out now. This is what the Lord says. How long will these people treat you with contempt? How long will they refuse to trust me? Ah, oh, listen. How long will they refuse to trust me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have done for them? I'll strike them with a plague. That's the Lord. This is what I'm going to do. I'll destroy them all. And I'll make you into a nation larger and stronger than they are. In other words, he's like, I'm going to wipe these guys out, but if you're faithful, I'll make, and Moses, these are his people, this is his clan, this is, this is family, this is his heritage. He goes, oh Lord, don't forget your promise, we're your people. And the Lord comes back in verse 20 and says, the Lord says, I forgive them as you have asked, but they will not enter the promised land, they will die out before they taste that promise. But he says, but my servant Caleb... And Joshua too. But my servant Caleb has a different spirit and has wholeheartedly followed me. Has wholeheartedly obeyed me. I, I think you could say, 
but my servant Caleb, oh, the faith in that man, different. That dude's a different breed. And he has obedience that matches his faith. I'll bring him into the land that he already explored, his descendants, and he will possess it. All the men heard the report of Moses. Let me just quickly. They all heard it. There was not one moment where Moses said, go into the land and see if we can take it. Did you notice that? He said, go into the land and tell me about it. Go into the land and see if it's everything that we've been promised that it is. There wasn't one moment in Numbers 13 where the Lord said, or, or Moses told the spies, go in there and see if we can take the land. Literally, the, the, the word that Moses said was go in and see if all the promises that God told us were true. And what were they? They were all true. The answer was yes, milk and honey, beautiful. But here's the problem. Basically, they came back and said, everything that the Lord said is true. You were faithful to your word, Lord, except we have one problem. They only believed God up to a certain point. Once it got outside of what their eyes and their minds could fathom, now there was not just no faith, but there was no faith and so there was no obedience. How many of us in our life, we're like, Lord, I'm locked in. I'm with you. I'm tracking everything that you say. This is beautiful, Lord. And then all of a sudden, something just a little bit side, outside of the, the way my mind can fathom it or my eyes can see it. All of a sudden, just a little thing of going, ah, oh, that's different than what I expected. And all of a sudden, I go, I just, mm, I'm just, I, I, Lord, I was with you to hear, but now I'm here. You see, they didn't have faith in the promise of God because their eyes and their senses saw something different. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Naaman, anybody know Naaman? 2 Kings 5. I know you guys probably want out of here, but come on. Let's, let's talk Naaman. Five more minutes. Five, five more minutes. Five more minutes. Let's do it. Naaman. Naaman, 2 Kings 5. Naaman has got leprosy. He's the commander of an army of a, a nation that's been going into Israel and pillaging and doing their things. And they take a girl from Israel, and Naaman's got leprosy, and so she's in his house. She goes, you should go see the man of God in Israel. Naaman's like, let's do it. I'll go see the man of God in Israel. He, he can heal you. So Naaman's on his way to Israel to meet the man of God, Elijah. Here's the cool part about it. From a ways off, Elijah sends out his servants to go, go meet him. Tell him he doesn't need to come all the way in. He doesn't need to, uh, just tell him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Well, Naaman's a guy of high stature and status. So here's what it says, 2 Kings 5, 11. But Naaman went away angry, and here's why. I thought that he would. Those are the words that we say to the Lord. I thought that he would stop. You see, Naaman thought that Elijah was going to do it a different way. Naaman had this idea that Elijah was going to come out and see the stature that he had. He thought that he was going to move in a different way. How many times have we thought that God was going to move in a different way than the way that he moved? So because we lost faith, because God didn't do it my way, I didn't walk in obedience because it wasn't my way. I thought that he would surely come out to meet me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. He says, aren't the rivers in Damascus better than this Jordan, filthy Jordan River? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And here's what the word says. So he turned and he went off in a rage. Forget what this is, right? And then all of a sudden, 
his servants run after him. They go, Father, Father, right? My Father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have done it? How much more then when he tells you something simple? Wash and be cleansed. So it says, Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, and the, as the man of God told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And this is what it says, then Naaman and all of his sins went back to the man of God, stood before him and said, now I know there is no God in all the world except the God that's in Israel. Amen? This guy was in a rage. Can you picture him in the river? <clears throat> Seven times? Didn't say he was over his rage. And yet, because he walked in faith, you know, that kind of hurt the quads a bit. Because he walked in faith and obedience, what happened? He received what? The blessings of the Lord. Thanks for listening to today's message. To find out more about who we are, find us on the Church Center app. See y'all next week.